Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Payments Podium. I'm the Payments Professor, and today on the show, we're going to be talking about real-time payments. As you know, we've got the Faster Friday segment on LinkedIn, where you can see videos to stay up to date with what's happening, not just in the U.S., but around the world in Faster Payments. And I bring that up because, as you know, too, many of you are following those particular things. There are a lot of times that we focus on real-time payments, and today, I've got a guest on the show, Steve Ledford from The Clearinghouse. Steve has been leading the charge on real-time payments, so I'm so excited to be able to introduce him, so excited to be able to tell you all the things he's going to be able to bring as far as knowledge and understanding of real-time payments, well, and payments in general, because Steve and I were just talking before we hit record, and he's got about 37 years a payments experience that he's going to be able to share with us to be able to help us understand what's happening in the world of real-time payments. Now, Steve, when it comes to real-time payments, and I do want to definitely thank you for joining the show and being willing to discuss this with us, but I want to ask, because you know, one of the things we do in the format of the show is we help people to understand what got us here. Because I see a lot of young people that are coming into the industry and they, they'll ask, why do you do that? Why, why are we still, still doing some of these things? And I found that if we can explain, well, this is what it was like. This is what led us here. If we can take a you know, moment and look at the past, look at what were the factors, what happened in the industry, what caused us to get to where we are now, it helps give that moment of aha so that they can understand and they can see a better, clearer picture of why we do what we do. So I'm going to ask you, could you start off and give us a little background on what caused, what were the factors in the industry, in the world even, that made it to where we are today, to where we're, we got real-time payments? Well, thanks. First of all, um, Professor, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to be on the, the program today. And um, <clears throat> if you think about it, the idea of would you like to have faster payments, it's not exactly tough to figure out what that appeal would be. Um, in terms of payments, one of the things that folks do, whether it's complaining about or just have trouble understanding is just what is float? Why does it take time for a payment to happen? Especially when I can send an email to the other side of the world and it's there in seconds. And so there's an obvious appeal to being able to have uh, instant payments. Uh, but in terms of how we got here, first, um, the U.S. wasn't the first um, country to figure out that this is something we need. There were actually instant payment systems if you go to uh, Japan back in the 70s and uh, all along. But the real break came in 2008 when uh, Britain uh, launched the Faster Payment Service. And I, uh, even though there were definitely Faster Payment Services that preceded it, that was the one that set the current model for a, uh, an instant payment system where you had the bells and whistles of immediate notification, broad, widespread usage, those types of things. And that got a lot of folks thinking about it. In terms of in the U.S. and particularly here at the Clearinghouse, back in 2010, we led an industry effort known as Project Compass. And what it was designing to do, what it was designed to do was look at the future of payments. Where do we want to go? And we came up with a blue sky notion. This is a broad industry effort. We came up with a blue sky notion of 
if you have a payment system, you really want it to be operating in real time. You want it to be able to um, incorporate lots of data in ways that are very easy for end user systems to use. You want it to be able to integrate uh, with other processes very well. We, we came up with a number of criteria and some high level approaches for a real time payment system that would be at the core of many different kinds of payment applications. Steve, can but I ask you remember, a question about the Project sure. Compass? Who was yes. involved in that? I mean, was that something the clearinghouse led? Was that something that the entire industry was involved with or just something that you did internally? Well, it was, it was led by the clearinghouse, but it included uh, a number of other organizations, uh, many of the payment organizations that we know today in industry or associations. And so it was, it was broad-based uh, it was a broad-based private sector payments effort to really understand the payment system and where it could go, and so uh, and we were you know we were proud to have uh, been able to um, to you know take the lead in sponsoring that, and so but it, it came up with an idea, a great idea. But if you remember back to 2010, 2011, mm -hmm. the industry was really busy implementing things like Dodd Frank, uh, really um, coming out from under the 2008 financial crisis, and so. It was one of those things that was going to take a little while to, to, to really get going. I could definitely see where that would have been a factor, you know, looking back and thinking back now, because you're right, we were coming out of the recession. We did have a lot of regulatory scrutiny that was being applied to, to the financial industry. That was really the big concern at that time. And Dodd-Frank, I know I taught many classes of what do you mm -hmm. have to do, what's it mean, what are the implications for it? So I, I could see how that sidetracked everything, but you also mentioned the criteria. Now, what mm -hmm. was the criteria you identified and how it would be able to help the industry? You know what, some of the things that came out of that earlier effort were, you need to have a truly instant, real-time payment mechanism. That doesn't mean that all of your payment interactions are gonna be happening in real time, but that's gonna be the basis. You need to make sure you have absolute certainty around the payment. So it put a great deal of focus on the settlement process and how to make sure that it was absolutely fail safe. The other criteria were that, you know, if you're designing a payment system for the digital age, it needed to be able to incorporate and handle uh, data in the way that we want to use it now. Uh, I'll also say one other thing, you know, we weren't able to immediately get this going back in 2011. Um, there were other priorities that the industry had, but what we did do is we kept on learning. Uh, the UK launched in 2008. Other nations uh, implemented uh, immediate payment systems around the world. Uh, the, uh, the global industry developed and started adopting uh, the ISO 20022 standard. And no, I'm not going to lecture you on something technical like the ISO 20022 standard, but it really provided a sound basis for building a new payment system. We saw the applications that were catching on in these other countries, and that helped us when we went to, uh, to move forward and uh, build these things into the RTP network. Well, and you know, in this timeline you're building too, something that comes to mind to me and a lot of people ask me about is the Fed's Faster Improvement Initiative, which was, was that like around 14, 15? When yeah. Fed actually led something, and I know that you guys played a really big part in that as well. Oh, you tell absolutely. us more what happened in there. Absolutely, um, no, that was a fantastic way of bringing together the entire industry. We we really appreciate the fact that the Fed uh, 
the Fed was able to convene this group of over 300 uh, individuals representing uh, not only payment networks such as ourselves, not only financial institutions, but also end users, uh, both those representing consumers, uh, commercial end users, academics, uh, folks representing uh, governmental authorities. It was a broad-based way of saying, what do we as a nation want? Um, I think that um, one of the great achievements of the Faster Payments Task Force was defining the 36 criteria for a fast payment system. And we, we, we took that as being fantastic input into our process because, um, you know, when we decided in 2014, uh, we got the go-ahead to start building this network, uh, we were able to incorporate a lot of the learnings coming out of the Faster Payments Task Force and making sure that we had uh, built a network that would satisfy that. So uh, a lot of credit goes to to that uh, really enormously valuable effort of the Faster Payments Task Force. And uh, we, we benefited greatly from it. It, it allowed us to, to really uh, make sure that what we were building is something that the country was going to want. Well, you know, and it's interesting, here we are four or five years later since the, those meetings uh, concluded, about four years since they concluded. And mm -hmm. I, to this day, will still reference a lot of the material that was discovered through those processes. And I even point out to people, I believe it came down to 28 or 30 different scales or models or organizations mm -hmm. that had submitted blueprints and plans. And it was the mm -hmm. clearinghouse with the real-time payments that came out as the number one solution that met the most areas of the objectives, the outcomes, and the criteria that would be needed for a U.S.-based faster payment system. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, and it, it was something that was very important to us to make sure that we were that we were doing something that was going to deliver on those criteria. All right. Now, when did, you know, he, again, let's stick with this timeline. I love how you got this. It's, you know, like, it's almost like some history of faster payments in the U.S. is what we're building right mm -hmm. now. And yes. if that was around 14, when did you actually, you know, you said you started building it in 2014. When did we get to closer to now to where you actually went live? I mean, what was <laughs> well, the go live date of real-time payments? Uh, the go live date was November 13th, 2017. Um, and we had, um, actually that was when the first payment was exchanged. Um, and immediately after that came the second payment, by the way. And one of the things I like is the first and the second payments both happened after five o'clock PM, uh, which just shows the value of, yes, we've got to get away from thinking about payments the way we do now as a, a nine to five kind of endeavor. And so, uh, and then um, we had, within very short order, we had uh, added uh, additional banks. There were six banks on the network uh, by the time, um, you know, by the time, uh, you know, we, December ended. Uh, and we kept on doing that uh, over the next year. So 2018 is really when we started uh, continuing to expand the reach. All this time it was being used primarily for some business to business transactions uh, between counterparties that happened to be at those banks that were on the network at that time. Uh, there was also a little bit of activity in terms of some payroll-related things, expense reimbursements, those kinds of things. Um, but it took a while to get that critical mass, that reach, that really made it where, um, you know, general commercial users were ready to say, I'm ready to uh, to start, uh, you know, to start uh, you know, bringing some significant volume on. During, during most of 2018, we could reach 20, 25% of the country in terms of the uh, deposit base. Uh, toward the end of 2018, though, 
uh, we quickly ramped up a number of uh, number of financial institutions came on and that got us to that 50% mark. And that seemed to be a magic number. Once we hit that 50% of the accounts in the country you can reach, um, we started seeing uh, things like account to account transfers. Uh, you know, one of the one of the banks offered their customers the ability to take the account to account transfers that were typically taking one to sometimes three days and do them instantly. And we saw an immediate pop from that. Uh, Is there that were a number of account to account into different institutions. Different institutions. My account at two different institutions. I've got uh, an account at Bank A, and maybe I have. Uh, uh, you know, a, a money market at, at Bank B, and I just want to transfer it over there. Um, we've been able to do that for a while, but it typically was a next day or at best kind of proposition. This allowed it to be done immediately. And it's actually one of those great things. We asked this bank, why was it that they chose that as their first retail application? Um, and, the, and what they said was, it's a great application to teach people the value of real-time payments. Right. Because they can see the money, it's in their, uh, uh, it's in one account, one second. They click the button, and it immediately shows up in the other. And that's when you really get an idea. It also was, you know, frankly, uh, plugging one of the great dissatisfiers that a lot of customers have is why does my money take a while to go from here to there? And so uh, again, uh, the folks who do a lot of account to account transfers between different banks. Um, it's one of the things that they had always complained about. And it was a way of immediately solving it. And, but we're seeing uh, other applications. I mentioned things. Well, you know, on A to A, what's surprising to me is, I mean, I'm sure you get it too. My family calls me and they're like, you work in banking. So you'll answer this for me. And <laughs> I try to tell them there's a million different areas of banking. What's your question? And the, you know, there's really only about a 5% chance I work in the area they're asking because they like I'd ask about loans and rates and like that. And I'm like, well, get mm -hmm. it right. <laughs> but um, I've had them call and they have mentioned the A to A problem. They've told me, you know, I've got a bill that's going to be automatically deposited out of the account tomorrow, but I had another payment come out that I wasn't, I didn't account for. How can I get money into that account right away? And mm -hmm. it was sad because I know in that time I've told them, well, you better go to the ATM and make a deposit. And even what was funny then is like, you can deposit cash in an ATM. I'm like, oh yeah, you can. But that's also dangerous because late at night carrying cash around to be able to meet that. Some of my relatives, I don't want them to be doing that. And mm -hmm. they asked, why can't we just have a system for the banks to be able to exchange faster? So I loved hearing that. And another thing that was great that, I mean, made my brain tickle a little is you said at first it was B2B primarily. And a lot of people, mm -hmm. when I talk to them about faster payments, they tell me it's just for P2P stuff. There's no mm -hmm. other use cases. And I, and I beg to differ. I really do believe that there's a huge use case in the business area. So thank you so much for pointing that out. Um, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I hope you didn't lose your train no. of thought. I mean, no. you could keep going and let us know where, where are we now? Cause you've done a great job of building it up. Where are we now when it comes to real time payments? Well, where are we now? Um, uh, we are now, we now have um, 16 banks that are on the network already, you know, sending and receiving payments. Uh, they account for uh, over 50% now of the, uh, uh, the, the VDA and share draft accounts in the country. Uh, and so that's that, that's that critical mass I was talking about. 
we're having f- rapid growth in the number of payments. Uh, you know, back when we could reach 25% of the country, um, you know, there were payments going through, but it was a fairly low volume. It's been ramping up ever since we hit actually about 40%. It's been, uh, you know, ramping up by, uh, you know, exponentially uh, every single month. Uh, and we have new uh, new participants in terms of uh, customers that are coming on really pretty much every day right now. And so it's ramping up. Uh, we're still far from being at ACH-like volumes. Um, but, um, you know, the progress has been pretty good. And um, we expect that, um, we expect that really by the end of the year, first of all, we're going to continue expanding that reach. We'll have many more use cases. Right now, they're mostly basic payment type of things. Um, account to account transfer of business, paying an invoice, uh, payroll related uh, things are another one. Independent contractors, gig economy, those kinds of things are also um, you know, pretty prevalent across the network. Uh, but if I'm making a payment, where I think the real interesting stuff is going to be happening is when we start making use um, of some of the other features, the ability to do a request for payment that allows someone to pay uh, one of their monthly bills uh, at the very last minute and have it immediately credited. Uh, when we have the ability for businesses to exchange invoices Go back and forth, maybe. Well, um, um, even going I love requests for payment. I, I got to stop you there. I really love the model for requests for payment because one thing we haven't mentioned, and you know, if it is somebody newer to banking that's listening, and I mm-hmm. get a lot of those listeners that you know they're like, "Hey, professor, help us to understand this." I've only been in the banking industry for a year or two, and I don't get some of this. And one yeah. of the big concepts with real-time payments is it's a credit-only system. And I've had yes. people say, if it's a credit-only system, then it's not going to work for anything but me to just give money to my friend. And I explained, no, there's a request for payment. Could you just elaborate a little on what is request for payment, how it works, so that our listeners understand, no, it can be used for a lot more. In fact, that's where I really see it's going to be having commercial uses. Oh, absolutely. A request for payment is, first and foremost, exactly what it says it is. It's not a debit. It's a way that someone can send a request for payment and request someone to pay them. When would you do that? Well, one example is I'm a biller. Uh, Maybe I'm the electric company, the phone company, uh, cable TV company, and I have a bill for you. I send a request for payment. You can actually access the uh, the billing information, um, you know, uh, based on information that's in the request for payment and say, yes, it's time for me to pay the payment. I'm going to pay it. And you can pay it immediately. Um, you can pay it a little bit later. You do, It's not a debit. It, you pay it when you want. And so the great thing about it is it puts the bill payer in control. Same thing with a commercial invoice. I can send you a request for payment. Yes, please pay me for the thousand widgets that you ordered. Um, and you can pay it and I can ship them to you. And I think that um, it, what it does is it has the it has the ability to uh, have some of the features of a debit. It's initiated by whoever wants to get paid, but it puts the payer in control. Um, what that should do is make it much less susceptible to fraud. Uh, it also makes it where it's much less likely that the payer is going to inadvertently overdraw their account, which is a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final thing is it allows you to 
fit the behaviors of people the way they really are in the real world. Uh, when we first came up with a request for payment, our thinking was that this would be used to deliver bills, say, at the beginning of the month. What we found is billers were just as interested in someone who the bills due. It's due today, and they still haven't paid. The ability to send this request for payment and say, reminding you your bill's due today, and someone can say, ah, yes, I'm going to pay it now. And so um, what's – and I think that's an indication of just when you come up with something new, you don't always know all of the ways that it can be used. But the good thing is that the market will figure this out. Folks who want to solve problems, they'll find ways of using the tools. No, and I got to agree. In fact, one of the things that you said is, you know, it goes back to my example of my relative and where you have that surprise payment that comes through. Instead of it just automatically debiting your account and, and putting you in that uncomfortable situation of, oh, I'm overdrawn or I don't have the money to cover the next bill type situation, you are now in more control. You can be more proactive. And because of this, you can do that A to A transfer as well to be able to cover everything that needs to be. And I like too, one of the things that you also mentioned is it's not just the consumer, it's the corporate too. It's the small business. Mm -hmm. And I hear a lot of people say small businesses, you know, they're not going to use real-time payments because they want to delay the payment as long as possible. And I want to say, well, if they want to delay the payment as long as possible, real-time really lets them delay it even further. And Absolutely. It eliminates wondering, hey, when's this payment actually going through so that they can adjust their books accordingly. Do you know what I like is a number of corporate treasurers um, in talking about real-time payments, um, there's this, been this phrase that evolved. Uh, they, what they tell us is don't talk about the speed of the payment. Talk about the control. And in fact, uh, we're hearing more and more tr corporate treasurers using the term precision payment. And that's exactly what it is. You pay it at the moment you need to. Precision payment. I love I, that. Yeah, I wish I could say that I coined that, but I didn't. <laughs> But it's it's a good and it's a good way of describing what you're doing. Um, what are the, and and this shows up in a lot of different ways. Uh, there was actually there was actually something on public radio the other day, and they were interviewing a restaurateur, and it happened to be on the issue of fast payment. And what she was saying is that I write way more checks than I would like to, and one of the reasons is a lot of my vendors they I have to pay them when they show up, mm -hmm. and what. She said she was looking forward to was being able to use real-time payments. And the example she gave is, I got customers here. If I run out of beer and I can't serve my customers beer, they don't like it. And I call the deliver, I call the distributor and they want me to pay them right then. This gives me the chance to satisfy my, my supplier and my customers. And that's just, I think, a perfect example of uh, problems that you might not think about. You're not in the restaurant business, but they are and that's what they want to do. And it's frictionless. Exactly. I love that. Well, well, Steve, okay, that's where we're at now. And, you know, we, we also like to, on the payments podium, look at what are the possibilities? What are the future? Now, mm. I, I want to hear you jump ahead and tell me five and ten years, but i really rather, can you first tell me what's next year look like in faster payments, in real-time payments in the U.S.? Uh, give me an idea that picture because I think in, in seeing just this growth because you talk 17, you talk 18, I see what's happening mm -hmm. here in 19. I myself am getting use cases. I mean, I had a, a video I made where I just sat down beside a Christmas tree and realized I remember that one year that I forgot to go to the ATM to get my nieces and nephews <laughs> cash. And mm -hmm. oh my, was I, you know, 
we don't love Uncle Kevin anymore all of a sudden, you know, because I didn't have any gifts for him. And I thought, wow, if I'd had real-time payments, I'd have just been like, check your account. Uncle Kevin already took care of you. <laughs> but that, that, I, personally, I can't imagine anyone not loving Uncle Care, uh, Kevin, but, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that, again, it's the use cases, more and more of them are coming up. Uh, two years ago, too, when I started first talking about this, people are like, who's going to use it? And I really couldn't give much more than a P2P example. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm like, sit down and let's have a talk because I can make this a half day, if not full day workshop of just mm -hmm. use cases. So, where do you see, where do you believe that next year is going to look like for real-time payments? And then, also, let us know five and 10 years, what, what do you predict is going to happen? Okay. First of all, there's a few things that are already in the works that'll, that'll uh, show up in 2020. Um, one of them, I think a lot of folks know this, but uh, we've been working very closely with the folks at uh, Early Warning on, um, on making sure that, uh, making sure that Zelle, uh, many, I'm sure most of you know what Zelle is, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, RTP work well together so that RTP can be mechanism for, um, you know, the underlying clearing and settlement of Zelle transactions. And we're also working together on things like bill payment. I, I mentioned earlier that requests for payment can be used to uh, facilitate things like bill payment. But one of the things we realized is that if you're going to do that, if I'm the biller, I might be able to go to my bank and send a request for payment but I'm depending on what the bill payers financial institution is doing to present uh, that request for payment to them. And so we, we brought together a group of folks um, representing, you know, billers and uh, the folks who are going to be doing the bill payment applications for consumers. And we brought them together and say, what can we do to make sure that everybody understands what happens when you send a request for payment? It came up with a reference design. Uh, for how this might work. And this is something that we, at the Clearinghouse, we sponsored because we knew that it was something that was going to help folks figure out how to use RTP. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a design, it's available to anyone, a financial institution, uh, one of the technology providers, anyone who's in the uh, bill payment world, either serving, you know, serving uh, billers or uh, consumers, and they can take this and use it uh, to have an end-to-end -end experience for mobily delivering a request for payment so someone can pay their bills, whether it's at the so last minute. So I don't get a bunch of emails. Can you, can you give an idea of where to go to get that design? Because I know that's one of the things that happens. People hear, oh, we, we can get this. This is available. Where would they get that? You know, I know we have it. We make it available, and I need to find out the details on that. I probably should have done that before I started the call. It's <laughs> not uh, a problem. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. make sure I'll post something when we post the podcast, too. Fantastic. Okay, I'll get that. So, uh, but uh, anyway, we're doing a pilot using this mechanism later this year. Um, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a few financial institutions, uh, first as normally with, you know, a small group of users, but then expanding out there. We already have billers that are excited about this. Mm -hmm. um, and then it'll expand and become much more generally available uh, as we go into 2020. So that's one thing. And I'm really excited about that. Another thing that we're doing is a similar type of effort for business to business and trying to get that whole process of using a request for payment for invoice payments and some of the back and forth. Um, some of the things we're looking at there, we're, gonna, we're actually going to be doing a few different things to try to look at different concepts. And are there 
you know, are there uh, standard approaches? Are there conventions? Are there designs? Are there utilities that might be needed to help facilitate that? There's a great deal of interest, not only from um, corporate treasurers, not only from their um, from their banks, but also from some of the folks who provide the uh, the capabilities, whether it's the applications, the inter- enterprise resource, you know, ERP folks. Uh, a lot of interest in this uh, work that we're going to be doing to take a look at some of these concepts and see which ones make sense to scale up. Again, the capabilities, the fundamental capabilities are built into the network, whether it's payment or request for payment, the immediate acknowledgments that come with it. Uh, but sometimes you need to go and start figuring out what else do you need to really uh, make the application uh, easier to use, much more uh, likely to, to scale and be widely adopted. And that's one of the things we've been focusing on this year, which will start showing fruit next year. Well, and you know, I think this is something too, that if we do look at four and five years from now, we're going to see somebody who's going to take real-time payments and they're going to use it in a way that's going to make us all go, I wish I'd have thought of that. Because oh. that's the same thing we saw with ACH even. And, you know, the early days of ACH, people for the longest time, oh, it's just direct deposit. Yet it has grown extensively in volume and usage. I, I think about the things um, you, 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 you so... Um, uh, you, you so politely mentioned how long I've been doing this earlier on, mm-hmm. but I remember when ACH was still a fairly immature service. You're a little bit of direct deposit, maybe a few direct debits, nothing near like what we're looking at today. And so uh, you, you put a good platform out there and folks will figure out how to use it. And, and I like, I like telling folks, I feel I feel really dumb every single day when I come in and I look at some of the things that folks are talking about doing already with the RTP network, uh, what they're planning on, the kind of things they're building. I think I never would have thought of that. Um, and, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I, I hope I, uh, I hope I continue feeling dumber and dumber and dumber as this goes along. I do too. Now, now I, I want to hit you with one really hard question to, to close everything mm-hmm. out because this is something I get a lot and I'm going to share mm-hmm. my response and then I would love to hear yours. But since we are talking about the future and since we were just talking about ACH2, people mm-hmm. ask me, is this going to replace other payment channels? Is that the intention of real-time payments or even faster payments in general to replace other payment channels? And I look at them and I say, well, you know what? When ACH came out, that's what people said it was going to do but it didn't. Did check volumes go down? Yes. Have checks gone away? Not at all. In fact, there's still significant check volume. Is it Mm -hmm. going to truly replace other payments? No, I don't believe it will. What I see happening is we are still growing as a country, as an economy. We're getting into bigger global scales. We Mm -hmm. see needs for payments in ways we didn't have 20 years ago. You even mentioned the gig economy and what that's bringing. So, my opinion no in no way does it replace any payments i see it as it complements them i love that precision control that you talked about precision payments uh, that was there too because that's what i see is in certain use cases and there's some of them we haven't discovered there's some of them we know that's what real-time payments does but it does not replace them but what would you say if somebody asks you is it going to replace or is it meant to replace other payment channels yeah. Um, first of all, let me start with, is it meant to replace other payment channels? And the answer to that is no. And part of that is, if you start out 
looking at a new payment system and your goal is to replace another payment system, first, you're probably not going to succeed because you're probably looking at solving the wrong problem. It's not that we don't want ACH or checks or wires or any of those kind of things. It's we want to do a better job of, um, you know, meeting customer needs uh, and finding new ways of doing that. And so, um, you know, I would say if you set out and your job is to try to get rid of one type of payment, you know what, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. You need to be thinking about just, is this something that's going to be good for customers? Will they find ways of using it? And if that's the case, you, you've accomplished your mission. Uh, and whether it replaces other payments or not, you know, I think that there'll be many new ways, many new payments that get generated. We've seen this in other countries, the UK, for example, the total number of payments has gone up and it hasn't really had a measurable impact on the other payments. Um, yes, checks have gone down, but they were already declining uh, because of things like cards and such. You don't set out to, to, um, to take, take things away from another payment system. You solve a problem. If that means that there are certain payments that would have been made on one that are now made on the other one, that's just how uh, the customers have sorted it out. But that's not your goal. And, um, you know, I, we're, we're even hearing from corporate treasurers about this idea that right now they might stack up, pay 10 invoices with one, uh, with one payment. Uh, in the future, they might pay them individually because of that provision. So now you've got 10 times as many of those payments. You might see some that uh, get collapsed or something like that. But it's, the goal is not to get rid of other payment systems. In fact, I don't think, feel like historically, they still have five uh, ACH transactions for every faster payment tra transaction. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about that. It's about just coming up with a really great um, a really great platform for allowing folks to do innovative things that make customers happy. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that. Uh, great answer, by the way. I know I put you on the spot a little bit there because that's not one that people really like to address, but you nailed it. It's not going to take away from anything else, but I do like it gives us the ability as we are evolving to be able to adapt and come up with new ways of being able to make payments. Well, folks, that concludes the payments podium. And Steve, I thank you so much for taking the podium and educating us all a little bit more on real-time payments. Uh, I want everybody out there to know that uh, you can always go to the Clearinghouse website. They've got a section on the website that deals with real-time payments and has got a lot of their latest up-to-date information. Payments professors out there all the time keeping up with it. And we will look into getting some of the information like on the design that we've mentioned earlier. And I'll make that available either on the VSoft website, the Payments Professor website, or via LinkedIn so that you're able to access that at another point. Other than that, folks, we look forward to hearing from you. If there's any topics you'd like to have the payments professor to have on the podium, any guest you'd like to have on the podium, if you would just email Kevin at paymentsprofessor.com, I'll be sure to get that for you. Other than that, last dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.